Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a different temperature day in the middle of the winter. Um, so today we had a nice hot day, and I'm pretty excited to be standing here without a jersey tonight. So uh, I think that might be my nerves as well, keeping me hot at this moment. Um, but yeah, very welcome to Predator Church, and I'm really glad that you made the choice to come here tonight. Like uh, Louis earlier said, my name is Shaul. Um, I'm here on staff at Predator Church, and it's tonight my... Um, how can I say, I'm, I'm really glad to be able to serve the Word of God to you all tonight. So, they say that the number one rule for a happy marriage or for a happy relationship is to never talk outside of the house. So, never talk about your problems to other people, right? You've heard that before? So, it's like that saying where they say what happens in Vegas... Stays in Vegas. It stays in Vegas. So we don't talk about what happens in our life um, to to other people. So, but tonight I want to break that rule. So sorry, love. Um, I want to take that, break that rule, and talk outside of of the house. So I have a problem that I want to share with you today. I have a really big problem, and you might think it's a small thing, but it's a big thing in my life. So I struggle so bad to do the dishes. Like, really, really, really bad. Is there anyone here that can relate with me tonight? There, there should be a few. I struggle. It is really bad. It is so bad that if, when I do the dishes, if the water isn't so hot that my hands are red up to here, and that I can't feel anything, I won't go further. So my hands has to be dead when I do the dishes. Or if there's some kind of unidentified floating object in that water, like a UFO, but in your basin, um, floating in that water and it touches my hand, I want to shrivel up and die, literally. So uh, there's a picture that I found on the internet, a meme, that I want to share with you that describes exactly how I feel. So I'm going to just show it briefly. It's not a very beautiful picture. Doing the dishes and a piece of food touches your hand. That's literally how I feel on the inside when something touches my hand while I'm doing the dishes. So I want to shrivel up and look like that. The guy even is bald like me, so I don't know if that's a self-portrait or something. So yeah, that's, that's how I feel uh, when, when I do the dishes. But it gets worse than that. The day when I actually do the dishes, my wife is so proud of me that it, it's the conversation for the next week with everyone she talks about. When her mom phones, she'll be like, oh, sure, wash the dishes. I'm so proud. And she tries to encourage me like that and everything. And uh, so yeah, and I, I actually feel embarrassed about it. So uh, yeah. Um, so I try, I try doing it, um, but it just doesn't work out for me. So, but I, I've realized I'd rather do anything else than do the dishes. I'd, I'd dry it. I'd pack it away sometimes. Um, so I would, I would like clean the house, sweep the floor. I would do all the stuff, help with the baby and, and everything. But I won't like. It's, it's really hard for me to do the dishes. Like, I would rather play guitar than do the dishes. I mean, that's, that's where, where I am. I'm just kidding. So I would clean, clean around the house um, rather than, than doing the actual dishes. But I've realized that uh, the, the, the problem is that I can clean as much as I want around the house and around the dishes. I can stack the dishes in the most neat, neatest tower or whatever like I want to. It doesn't fix my problem. My mom always used to say, if the dishes aren't clean, your house isn't clean. Your house ain't clean until the dishes is packed away, washed and packed away. So that's what she used to say. And I realized that 
Somewhere in my life, I have decided that doing the dishes is bad for me. I've decided that somewhere um, when I'm gonna do, when I'm gonna wash the dishes, it's gonna make me nauseous. It's gonna make me feel like that guy off the screen. So there's a problem. There's the, the heart of the problem is I've decided somewhere to make that choice. So the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. I don't know if that makes sense. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And this is going to be our topic for today when we move on to Mark chapter 7, is the heart of the problem. And we're going to see what Jesus says about that, because the text that we're going to read today is actually about not washing dishes, but being clean or unclean. So um, if you investigate the the piece a little bit further, you'll actually see something about dishes in there. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to look at Mark 7. So just a quick summary. So in this series, Marked by Love, we're looking at the life of Jesus through the gospel writer Mark. So Mark um, writes his gospel, and he writes about the life and ministry of Jesus. And throughout this series, we're looking at the life of Jesus through the life of um, or through what, what Mark has written down. So if you read the Gospel of Mark and you compare it to the other Gospels in the New Testament, the other three, um, you will see that Mark is a compact, action-packed, straight-to-the-point Gospel. So the other Gospels, is really they explain a lot in certain situations, but the, um, the book of Mark, you can read in less than... Rest in, well, less than an hour um, if, you're, if you're really into it. And there's like 16 chapters, so it, get, it goes through it, you go through it quickly. So the challenge still stands that Louis made in the first sermon. So if we are at part 7 um, or at Mark chapter 7, try to keep up in your personal Bible study. Try to read up to Mark chapter 7. And if we go to Mark chapter 8 next week or 9, uh, try to keep up um, to there. So the challenge still stands. So we challenge you to read the, Bible, read the book of Mark with us as we work through the series and also make notes on what you see on the life of Jesus, what you see, what Jesus means to you while you are reading the text. So now we're going to get to the text, but before we read that, I just want to quickly set the scene. So, so Jesus is being questioned by the religious leaders, the, 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 the leaders of that time, the Jewish leaders and uh, um, the, the teachers of the law. He was being questioned um, on why he's not observing like the, the, the rules of the elders, why they are, he isn't observing the elderly traditions. So the, the Jews or the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were looking for Jesus to actually make one mistake. They're looking for a mistake for Jesus to make so that they can discredit his ministry. Because if they can discredit his ministry, then the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus being blameless, being spotless, being perfect isn't true, and Jesus can't be the Messiah. So they are trying to discredit Jesus' ministry, and now they are taking him on on this elderly traditions. So they want to, to discredit the ministry of Jesus. So the Jews had certain ceremonial laws. So they had these laws that before they eat, they had to wash their hands. They had to wash up to their arms. They had to wash their cups and plates and everything. So they were, it's more than just praying before you eat your food. So remember, the food that you don't pray for at the table makes you fat, okay? Like cake and sweets and stuff. It's the food you don't pray for. I'm just kidding. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it is. They were really intense about that. So imagine this: 
you are so hungry and you're on your way to McDonald's or one of those drive through places, um, you are going, your parents are taking you and um, you get your food and just before you want to take a bite, um, your parents says, no, you need to remember the ceremonial laws. So we have to wait until we get home. We don't need just to wash our hands. You literally need to go and bath because you don't know where you've been throughout the day or what you touched. Um, you need to wash your cups and everything. And by the time you actually get your food, it's cold and you have to put it in the microwave. Or Yeah, and, and, and it was hectic. So it's, the laws, were they, they really followed it. So the Jewish leaders, if they had bought food from the market, they wouldn't have eaten it um, before they were ceremoni- ceremonially clean. So Mark tells us Jesus was disregarding these ceremonial traditions, these things that the, that the Pharisees were teaching the, the, um, the people. And this becomes the focus point of Mark chapter 7. And Mark dedicates a really big part of this gospel to explain this whole concept because it's a big and it's an important concept. And Jesus explained it three times in that, in that part. So um, it is really important that you don't miss it. So we are going to turn, open our Bibles in Mark chapter 7. Um, if you can open up there, um, if you don't have your Bible here, you can download it on the Uversion Bible or the Uversion Bible app on your Play Store or on the iStore, um, or you can just follow along on the screen. I'm just going to ask the guys at the back to to follow me. So we're going to read Mark 7 from verse 5 to 8, and then we're going to jump over and read verse 14 to 15. And here, here is what it says. So verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't, you, why don't your disciples live according to, the tra- according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So that is what I described earlier. He replied, that is Jesus saying now, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. So Jesus is very harsh here. When he prophesied about, your, about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and you are holding on to the, to the traditions of men. And now we're jumping to verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean. Nothing that's outside of a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what's, what comes out of the man that makes him unclean. So I want to to encourage you to read the text further, to read the whole thing, and just to get um, everything what, what Jesus says there. So there's a cool part after that where Jesus explains it again. But Jesus, Jesus says this. Jesus is calling everyone together. He's like, guys, you need to get this. Listen here. I, when I read that part, I get that picture of someone just, that coach, when you make the same mistake over and over, the coach that says, like, guys, come closer. I'm going to explain this again to you. And he, and he invites them closer, and he says, let's talk about this. Focus here. And Jesus makes the statement that the state of your heart is what will determine if you're clean or unclean. Not what goes into you. The state of your heart will determine if you're clean or unclean. Because what's in your heart will flow out of your body. So where your heart is at, your actions will follow. 
So we usually hear people say that when you start to follow Jesus, or when you go to church for the first time, or when you're, yeah, when you, when you're back at church or so, then we hear people say, if you follow Jesus, you need to be holy. And we, usually we think that, that, that thought of holiness, we think that big light in the sky shining down on, up, on us, and we hear the angels singing and everything. That's not, that's not holiness. That's not what, what Jesus is talking about. So we, th- we think that we need to be holy. And what is the first thought that jumps into your head when you think about holiness? What is the first thing what you need to do for you in order to be holy? What do you need to do for you in order to be holy? So the first thing that jumps into our head is that I need to stop doing something. For me to be holy, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop swearing. I need to stop fighting with my parents. I need to stop drinking. I need to stop my addiction. I need to stop X, Y, or Z. You can, you can add what you need to stop. So that is usually the first thing that pops into our head. If I need to be holy, I need to stop something. And we all have something that pops into our head. By the way, when God called Israel to be holy, he called them a nation to be set apart. This is what holiness means, to be set apart for the purpose of God. Israel had to be different than all the other nations to be set apart for God's purposes, to make them a nation after God's own heart. So when we talk about we being holy, it means that we are setting ourselves apart for God. So we have decided to follow Jesus to be used for God's purposes. So that's what, what it is when we are holy. So we tend, in order to, to be holy, we need to stop doing something. That's what we said. So, but the truth is, we're only cleaning around the problem. When we try to, to be holy and stop doing something, it's like me doing the dishes. I'm not doing the dishes. I'm just cleaning everything around the problem. I'm just leaning everywhere except what the actual problem is. And we have this thought that if I start to follow Jesus and I come back to church, and um, if, if I'm a Christian, then if, I, if I'm a big follower, then I speak the right lingo. I wear the right clothes. I wear a suit. Um, I speak the right language. Um, I can say hallelujah and amen at the right times. I can stand and sing and shout when the music is on the best moment. I can do all these things. So that I can look like the others. But that is what a Pharisee would say. A Pharisee would say, you know, you need to adjust your actions to show that you are a Christian, that you are a, a follower of Jesus. So that's what the, what the, um, the Pharisees did. They added tradition after tradition after tradition onto the lives of people. And that's why Jesus was so stern when he was talking with the law, with the the Jewish leaders. He's saying that, you guys, you follow the traditions and you're not following the laws of God. That is not what it is about. So they tried to add tradition, sometimes with the best intention, because none of the things we do to serve God is, in itself is bad. When we raise our hands to worship God, it's not something that, it, that is in its own. It is bad. I think it is good when we worship with all, all of our heart and if we, and if we, um, if we sing with everything us and, and yeah, we do things to honor God through that. But is it a tradition that flows from your heart? So traditions added usually with the best intention 
But in the end, if we add tradition onto tradition onto tradition, we would get tired. Because there's nothing from the inside that's filling me up. There's nothing that is changing me on the inside. And Jesus says to these people that, guys, tradition is dangerous. Tradition is very dangerous because it can lead you away from true worship. It can lead you away from actually worshiping God for who He is because you'll be so focused on, on what you're doing and what, how you are following that you completely forget on what God is actually calling you to do. And that is what happened with the Pharisees. If you read that part further, they changed the laws of God. So they, they found some loopholes so that they could not care for their parents and rather give money to the church to look holy but their parents are perishing. And the, the, the fifth command is to honor your, your parents. So they were skipping that. And then Jesus said, guys, you are hypocrites. Your heart is not with me. It's leading you away from true worship. And I want to ask you today, when you look at yourself, when you look at your heart today, we're going to do some introspection. What is it that you see? What is it that you see when you look at your heart? What is the labels that you give yourself when you look at your heart? Sometimes we have these labels of shame, of anger, unforgiveness. I'm hopeless. I'm struggling with depression. I'm a depressed person. I'm an addict. I'm anxious. I suffer with anxiety. I'm worthless. Maybe there's pride in my heart. But when we look at our hearts, we will see what is going on in our heart. Did you know that Jesus sees the heart? God sees our hearts. The Bible says that. And it's in our hearts where the Holy Spirit convicts us to change. So no matter how hard we try to use our actions to do this, this stuff, if our heart is not in it, we're just cleaning around the problem. We're not doing that dishes. That dishes is stacking up. We're not getting there. And I've learned a new word, word, and it's called gunk. So it's like junk, but cooler, gunk. So um, it's like when stuff is getting clogged up, you get gunk in there. So if your heart is full of gunk, junk with bad stuff, then automatically your actions would flow with all that stuff. Your actions would be full of gunk. Why? Because our hearts is the filter on how we perceive and act in our lives. So if our hearts are bad, if our hearts have bad stuff in there, our actions, everything that's happening to us, everything around us is going to be perceived through that, through that filter. So if you walk around after bad relationship, after bad relationship, after bad relationship, the first one, okay, it could not be me, but if there's always broken relationships around me, I need to start asking the questions. What is going on in my heart? What is happening that there is so, so many bad relationships around me? So if there's just bad relationships around me and there's something in me that is going wrong in relationships, guess how am I going to perceive relationships? People just want to use me. People just want to, want, to, want to get their own way with me. People are just there to hurt you. Don't love because you're never going to, going to get that back. Don't give because it's worthless anyway. So if that is happening in our hearts, that is how we are going to perceive life. And the enemy will try to convince you that you're worthless. And the enemy will try to convince you that you're not good enough in your heart. 
Because if we believe that, that's how we are going to filter everything. God can act like, do amazing things in your life. If your heart is full of gunk, we will not even see it. We will not see how God is doing that. So, yeah, we will start to believe these lies. And the thing is, it is not the truth. So being hurt in your life, bad stuff happening to you may have caused you to, to block your filter. And we might believe stuff about ourselves because the gunk and that junk is seeping in through every aspect in our lives. And usually, it's too late, when we know, it's too late to notice that it is in our actions. So when it's in our actions, our heart is already at the wrong place. And uh, then we realize we need to find help. We need to get help somewhere. And there's three places where we can seek help. So the first place where we can seek help is the world. So think about relationships again. If you go through a bad breakup, what's the first thing that, they, that the world will say to you? No, cut your hair, be the new you, get some new clothes, get a rebound, I don't know, do something. Change yourself, change your circumstances. That is what the world will say. Change the circumstances. Change the circumstances around you because if everything around you is going better, then your heart will go better, right? Wrong. Then the Pharisees, they would say, no, 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 don't, don't change your circumstances, clean your act, man, clean what you do. So if you can, if you can um, go out and serve the poor and do this and do that and uh, be friendly to everyone and everything, then, then you will be happy. And sometimes we try to do that with our own strength and it doesn't fix the problem. We still walk around with gunk in our heart, with junk in our heart. And the third place where we can find healing is at Jesus. And that's the only place to find healing at Jesus. And Jesus says this. Jesus says the only place where you can find a new, a, a new experience in everything in your life, a new, a new purpose, is if you get a new heart. That is what changes how you perceive your circumstances. And it's when you have a new heart that your actions will follow and good things will automatically flow from your heart. Hear what Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 8. He said, Blessed are the pure, in the, are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. And we see God in two ways in our life. One is when you literally die. Then we are going to go to heaven and be with God. Two is we can't see God physically here on earth. because The Bible says if we see God, you will surely die. Um, but we can see his acts around us everywhere we are. We can see the hand of Jesus all around us in our lives. The fact is that God is always at work in our lives. God is always at work. But the condition of our hearts make us or cause us to fail to recognize God in our lives. Do you know that the hardest thing for a human to change is their heart? That is the hardest thing to change. Because if we believe something in our hearts, then we won't change that. Then we struggle to change that. And that is why Jesus says that we need a new heart. So you can't go climb your car, go to the hospital, knock on the door there. It's like, hey, doctor, um, I need a new heart. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help you. So 
That's why we have Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate heart surgeon. And he can take your heart without taking it out of your body and make it new. He can clean that up for you. We just have to give it to him. We have to lay our hearts down at the altar before Jesus. We need to give our, our, our hearts and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And when we do that, that is how we clean our hearts. And you will see, slowly but surely, change is going to take place in your life when we give our hearts to Jesus. Because that bad stuff, those things that influence your heart, is going to be, you're going to experience life differently through that. When we see, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we start seeing change in our life. When we start reading our Bibles and putting the words into, God's word into our heart, we see that God is doing something in our lives. And then we start to pray. And when we start to pray, we start to recognize God's hand in our circumstances. And we see that things are happening around us because God is always at work and then something some things are changing in me anger is slowly fading away that unforgiveness depression is slowly fading away because my heart is being changed my marriage is about is to start to grow i can forgive trials in my life become opportunities to grow and worship starts to mean something more than just singing again Worship starts to fill you up to a place where you connect with God. And it's not just a Sunday thing, it's an everyday thing. Because if our hearts is laid down at the altar, all our acts, all our deeds, Jesus would flow from our life wherever we are. We will realize that we have been called to serve God to something greater. Next moment, I opened my eyes and I realized that I'm a person with a clean heart. Blessed are those of the pure of heart, for they will see God. And that's an awesome place to be at, to see the hand of God everywhere around you in your life. So this is one thing I always said to the youth at our previous churches. We said, God doesn't want to change your shirt God doesn't want to change how you look on the outside. If you have tattoos and stuff, come to God. If you have funny hair or no hair or a big beard or whatever, if you look funny, come to God. God doesn't show anyone away or want to change anyone because of their outward appearances. If slops and shorts is your thing, you're welcome. If a suit and tie is your thing, you're welcome to the cross of Jesus. God doesn't want to change your shirt. He doesn't want you to look like a Christian. God wants to change your heart. God wants to change what is in there. It's not what you look like. It's who you act like. It's, no, it's not who you act like. It's who you become. Jesus wants you to be a follower of, G- of Jesus. To be an imitator of God. And that can only happen from the heart. Jesus wants you to focus on the inside so that your outside will follow. And maybe you have been struggling with this for some time in your life. Maybe you have been a Christian for a while in your life and you keep messing up. And you keep failing and you're saying, Charles, that you don't understand. I've been a Christian for a while and I'm struggling. I'm not getting that. And I want to say this to you with the, with the most love in my heart. I want to ask you, 
Where is your heart at? Where is your heart at in your walk with Jesus? So there's a guy in the Old Testament named David. He's a psalm writer and an Old Testament king, and he was seen as a true worshiper of God. So all the worship leaders, when they love to share stories of how David worshiped God before, before the people and how he just worshiped with everything. So David gives us advice in Psalm 119, verse 112. He says, I incline my heart to perform your statutes. That means God's commands forever to the end. I incline my heart. So it means it's an active thing. It means that my heart needs to be angled towards God. But sometimes we get comfortable. Sometimes we don't see what is happening in our lives. And then the inclination starts to fall down because we're comfortable. We're starting to forget to pray. We start to forget to connect with God. We start to forget to, to, to be to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And then our hearts slowly declines and that gunk and that junk, everything starts to seep in again and then bad things start to happen. And then we're questioning God, but we don't realize that our hearts is not inclined. So it's always an active thing. We always need to do that introspection for us to incline our hearts towards God. Where is your heart at? I think if we ask David, where is your heart at? He would say with a smile, I'm inclining it to God. I'm always aiming it at God. Jesus calls us to imitate him, not the Pharisees. To be a follower of Jesus, not to act like one. We need to be the church. It's not about doing good things. It's about being the right person with a heart surrendered to our King Jesus. Being that right person. Because in Christ is where good things flow. It flows out of our hearts when we connect Him. So Jesus told us to love God, to love people, and to share Jesus, to share the good news with everyone else. And Jesus is good news. He has good news for you to share. So if you're at the bad place in your life, there is good news. Jesus wants to change your heart and help you through whatever you are facing. We have to love God with all our mind, all our strength, all our heart. That's what the Bible tells us. Love people, share Jesus. And these things are only possible when we have a pure heart. When we have a heart that is inclined towards God. And when we have that, we see how God works in our lives. When we follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And I want to leave you with this today about real change. Real change. If you need real change in your life. Real change, real life change can only happen in our hearts. It can only happen in the heart That's the only place where real change can happen. We can try cleaning up our act. We can try cleaning up our circumstances. But that will not bring real change. Real change happens in our heart. And this is what I believe what Mark tries to show us in this text in chapter 7. He says, Jesus changes us from the inside out and not through what we do. It is through our hearts. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for the fact that we can come to you and worship you just as we are. We thank you that you are merciful and that your grace and love is abundant and we can just run to you. Lord, I pray that you will work in us, Lord. Lord, that you will help us look at our hearts to do that introspection, to see where our hearts is aimed at. Jesus, we don't want, just want to be actors of Jesus. We don't want just tradition with empty words and empty acts, Lord. Lord, we want to be a church. We want to be your hands and your feet so we can go out there and be an imitator of you. Lord, I pray that you will work in every single one of us. And Lord, if there's someone here that is, that is doing some introspection, Lord, I pray that you will be with him or her. Lord, I pray that you will show them your hand at work in their lives. Lord, help us to be set apart for you, for your purposes. I worship and I honor your mighty name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hi, I'm Louis Skippers, the lead pastor of Prodeo Church, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to this message today. If you felt inspired by it and you would like to see this continue, we would love to get some of your support. So follow one of the three links below. There's two for South African donors, one a Snapscan link and one our banking details. Or if you're an international listener, there's also a link for you to follow if you wanted to give. So from my side, thank you again and may God bless you.